Welcome to Be Ye Hearers. It's a podcast of St. James's Episcopal Church in Richmond, Virginia. One of my favorite uh, stories concerns a young man who once uh, walked into a card shop, a greeting card shop, and he was trying to find just the right card for his girlfriend. He asked the store clerk to help him pick out a card that would express his deepest, his deepest, most intimate feelings for the great love of his life. After listening to the young man describe this woman, the clerk handed him the store's best-selling card. It said on the front simply, to the only girl I ever loved. The young man nodded his head, he smiled, he said, yes, yes, he says, that's perfect. It's just what I've been looking for. I'll take six. (laughs) There's no denying, my friends, that uh, in our world, the concept of commitment uh, can be daunting and, and challenging for a lot of people. And yet, if you think about it, uh, commitment is an integral part of the biblical story, the unfolding of human salvation. Without any type of commitment, Mary would not have said yes to God's promises. Joseph, without commitment, would not have trusted God and taken Mary to be his wife. Without commitment, the wise men would never have set off on their journey to Bethlehem to see the newborn king. Commitment, you see, is a very important theme of the Advent season. We return to it time and time again, and on this, the second Sunday of Advent, we focus on the prophets, the prophets, men and women whose lives are defined and shaped by their commitment to Yahweh, the God of Israel. The collect for this morning, the prayer we said earlier, it perfectly captures this notion of prophetic commitment. Merciful God, who sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation, give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins. Of course, the prophetic figure that best exemplifies this tradition of absolute commitment is the person we hear about this morning, John the Baptist. He is the central figure in our gospel lesson, and his appearance in Advent is meant to herald the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Whenever I close my eyes for a minute and I think of a prophet, when I think, what does a prophet look like? Uh, This uh, unsettling man comes to mind clothed in camel hides, uh, eating locusts, yuck, uh, wild honey. I mean, John was, when you think about it, a person who was totally on fire for God's promise in his life, and he had this overwhelming desire time and time again to share the good news of God with other people. Now, while we may see John's arrival in Advent as a good thing, It's important to remember that when you were a prophet, it was not always an easy job in the Old and the New Testament. Uh, Fame, or or maybe a better word for us this morning, should be uh, honor, recognition. It usually would come years after a prophet's death, when people finally realized uh, 
uh, that these men and women had been speaking God's truth to them. In Israel's case, that realization came when they were in exile in Babylon, and they figure out that Jeremiah had it right all the time. Of course, one of the greatest prophets we hear about in the Old Testament is the prophet Elijah, the one with the fiery chariot. He, he lived most of his life on the run under an imperial edict of death. Jeremiah, I mentioned earlier, he was executed in Egypt according to tradition by being sawed in half. And even this morning, as we hear John the Baptist's great message of repentance, the, the forgiveness of our sins through the water of baptism, there is a shadow we know that hangs over his life. And eventually, somewhere down the line, John's commitment to God is going to land him in Herod's jail, and it will cost him his life. Bring me the head of the Baptist on a silver platter. We've seen, we've heard the story and we've seen the movies. And it's not difficult for us this morning to figure out, you know, why the heck were these prophets uh, so unpopular in their own time? Of course, the reason is quite clear. They were willing to criticize the religious and political establishments of their day for failing to live out the faith. They failed to live out the faith. Another prophet, Isaiah, captured in this way. He said, these people, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Prophets like John that we hear about in the Old and New Testament time and time again, they're always dangerous, my friends, to political systems or cultures that demand our unquestioning obedience. And I suspect if we are all honest with ourselves this morning, the Roman world of the first century uh, seems little different to us when it comes to the hate and the violence that seemingly surround us in our world today. As Christians, though, down through the centuries, we've always been called uh, to live in a certain degree of tension, tension with our culture and our society. We are called always to be witnesses, witnesses of God's love and forgiveness and compassion for all humanity, no matter who they may be. We are called time and time again to work for peace and reconciliation, even in a world that consistently denies those things and focuses on division and violence. Even though John the Baptist has been dead for over 2,000 years, his life is just as important this morning as it was in the first century. He arrives on the scene, as I said before, on the second Sunday of Advent. He calls us all, he calls us all again to be accountable for our actions. And he's unafraid to look us in the eye and ask us difficult questions about our own personal commitments. What do we love? What do we worship? What do we think is the most important priority in our lives? These are the questions, my friends, that we should be asking ourselves over and over and over again as we prepare ourselves for Christmas in the Advent season. Now, when I hear folks say the phrase that we all need to in Advent to come to Jesus, we tend to think of this term in, in, uh, in ways of kind of a final reckoning, uh, like some of the passages we heard in last week's gospel lesson, a time of final judgment, uh, fire and brimstone, as it were. 
In some pulpits, Jesus' return is preached as a downer or bad news. And while that is certainly, I will not deny that as one aspect of John's message to us, I prefer to see this coming to Christ, this coming to Jesus as a gift, as a great gift that Advent offers to all of us sitting here this morning. In the midst of uh, phonetic preparations, these hectic holiday times we find ourselves in, the church gives us, the church gives us through prayers, scripture readings, and stories that ask each one of us to make a different type of commitment from the one that our secular culture demands us to make. The church reminds us that through John the Baptist that now, now in the fullness of time, now is the time for repentance. Now is the time to turn away from a life of sin, to change the commitments we have in our lives now for the ones that God desires for us. We are called to walk humbly, to be doers of God's Word. Now, I know it is always tempting to avoid those unsettling figures like John the Baptist, but if we pass over this need that we all have in some ways for repentance and reconciliation in order to start an Advent journey, the church simply becomes a purveyor of what I like to describe as cheap grace. One of my favorite theologians, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, described uh, this type of approach to Advent or church in the following way when he talked about what cheap grace is. He says it is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring any repentance. It is baptism without any type of discipline, communion with no confession, absolution without that personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace that has no cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Are you ready to meet him today? This is the critical question that John asks us in this season of Advent. This is why John insists time and time again that he is a voice, a voice crying out from the wilderness, from the shopping malls, from the street corners of our present day. And John says to us time and time again, quoting Isaiah, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low, the crooked shall be made straight, the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh, all flesh shall see the salvation of Almighty God. Are you ready, my friends, to put away your previous commitments and make that kind of commitment in your own spiritual life? Are you ready to heed the prophetic warnings we hear in Advent? Are you ready to forsake those sins? Seek repentance and reconciliation. Welcome with joy, with great joy, the return of Jesus Christ. I invite you, I implore you in this season of Advent to make sure, my friends, that you are indeed, you are indeed always ready. Amen.
Thank you for listening to Be Ye Hearers. For our full worship service, go to doers.org slash live. To learn more about St. James's, go to doers.org. We hope you've been touched by the Holy Spirit today. We look forward to being your companion on your spiritual journey.